We'll get started. We're going to be in Psalm 35. Uh, thank you for uh, all the positive feedback last week. Uh, it seems like you guys all liked the music. Uh, that was part of what's going on. And it was, um, I thought I would um, go back and kind of research it. And, and I would say uh, to you, you know, there were so many psalm, uh, songs written uh, based on Psalm 34 and and none were, were on Psalm 35. But that's not true. There, uh, Even though you might read it and think, my goodness, how could we get a song out of this? Uh, many people have, and it seems like many musicians have just kind of committed to say, okay, the Psalms are songs, and we're going we're gonna to do them all. Mm-hmm. So I found several uh, anthologies where people had gone through and, and written music uh, for, for every single song. Uh, there's, a, there's a choral collection uh, for um, uh, you know, kind of you know, high church kind of choral music uh, where they've done every one. Uh, some of them are really beautiful. Um, some of them probably less beautiful, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, in any event, um, there is some value in going through uh, sections. And, of course, we are skipping around a little bit in Psalm. But one of the interesting things about going directly from Psalm 33 to 34 to 35, uh, you can you can say, okay, this feels really different, the psalm we look at today, compared to the psalm we looked at uh, last week. Um, but some people think it, they're actually talking about the same situation. So you recall last week, uh, we said in Psalm 34, this was when he was on the run from Psalm, from rather Saul, uh, falsely accused um, and uh, just looking for a place to hide, so much so that he uh, feigned insanity in order to uh, kind of get by this this one uh, regional uh, uh, leader there. Uh, some people feel that Psalm 35 is speaking about uh, this same concept where, where uh, David's on the run, uh, falsely accused, and uh, his reputation is at stake. So, um, so you'll see a, a different feel, but it's interesting that many people think it's talking about the same situation. And I think for us, it's it's not uncommon that we'll be in a particular season of our life that, you know, they're hardly ever just a day, right? They go on, seems like, for uh, weeks and months and some drag on even longer. And our response to that season of life isn't the same every day, right? Uh, there may be some days we're, we, people say, well, I'm not handling this well. And I'm not sure what people mean by that. Uh, I think it's just that sometimes we feel it, whatever the pressure is, more some days than others, and our response is different depending on the day. And I think uh, we have an example of that as we launch into Psalm 35. Uh, One final thing, uh, we've talked about Messianic Psalms in terms of types of Psalms. Uh, There are Psalms of adoration and thanksgiving and so forth. Uh, there are some psalms which are called imprecatory psalms. Uh, imprecatory psalms are psalms where uh, the psalmist is asking for a particular person to be cursed. Right. So these are these are uh, psalms where uh, you'll see where David is saying, "I want you to hurt these people." Uh, this is like I don't know what the opposite of the golden rule would be. But this is the opposite. This is like, I want you to do to them what they did to me, and to quote Chicago, and then some. All right? So here we go. First one, chapter 
slash Psalm 31, 35 rather. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Right at the very start, we have a couple of um, uh, items of vocabulary that set our, our scene, so to speak. And when it says, contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me, Apparently, this is legal language, and many people think that the setting for this whole scenario, a picture where David thinks he is on trial, falsely accused of a capital crime. And he's asking God, be my advocate, be my attorney, go to battle for me in this regard. You'll also see some military language, and, and that's in here, and you'll see some like hunting language. But most of the commentators, as I was reading different ones, they seemed to settle that the overall theme was a, a courtroom. And, you know, if, I don't know if you've ever been in a courtroom and watched something live uh, where people are going at each other, but certainly we've all seen uh, legal dramas on TV and in the movies where it is set up somewhat as a battle, right? And so. Think of that as you go through this. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. When, If you were accused, especially if you were accused falsely, uh, and so much so that it's gotten to this point, all of your easy excuses haven't worked yet, right? You've, you've tried everything else. Otherwise, you wouldn't be at this point. Right? Oh, it was a misunderstanding. You know, no, I have an alibi. You know, all those things that would have gotten you off, so to speak, before now haven't worked. So now it's just like you're at trial. And when you're in that situation, you definitely want someone there to defend you and to stand up for you. And that's what he's asking. Take hold of shield and buckler, verse 2. Uh, armor, you know, uh, he's asking, you know, uh, gird, gird up, and uh, not just in defense, but in verse 3, spear and javelin. I want you to be on offense against my pursuers as well. And say to me, I am your salvation. In other words, he, what does he want to hear from God? I've got this. You're fine. That's what David wants to do. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm, I don't know this, but I'm imagining that attorneys are probably like doctors that we don't make guarantees, right? <laughs> we don't say, oh, yeah, you're going to be fine. We would love to say that, uh, but I'm, you can't always say that, right? And I'm sure every attorney would, uh, would love to say, oh, it's fine. We got this. But if it was that sure, you probably wouldn't be at trial, right? Verse 4. Again, David is bringing forth a curse on these people. Let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek after my life. Let them be turned back and disappointed who devise evil against me. Let them be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. That's a pretty thorough 
set of cursing there. Um, I pulled out, uh, to help me remember, several D words for that. Uh, in verse 4, let them be put to shame and dishonor who seek my life. Um, I want you to discredit them, right? And David feels like his reputation is being attacked, and he wants them to be discredited. Uh, it says, let them turn back and be disappointed. So that was my second one. So discredit, disappoint. Verse 5, let them be like chaff before the wind. I had disperse, right? I want them spread away. I want them, let's see, it's let, let their way be dark and slippery with the angel Lord pursuing them. I basically want them to disappear, right? I want the angel Lord to deal with them. And I, finally, I want them to meet disaster. Verse 8, let destruction come upon him when he doesn't know it. Let the net that he hid ensnare him. Let him fall into it to his own destruction. In other words, that trap that he set for me, I want him to fall in it, and I want it to do harm to him. Do to them what they did to me. He's, he's obviously stressed out. He's very panicky. Uh, he feels um, like he wants rescue, right? And that's the, this pouring out of emotion, you might say. Um, in fact, one commentator said, this lament is an outpouring rather than a coherent, organized poem. Um, it seems actually, to me, fairly well organized, but it is definitely an outpouring of the pressure that he feels. Interposed between these imprecatory verses are stanzas which acknowledge, I'm, I'm calling upon you, Lord, because uh, you are the one that can do something about this. So that brings us to verse 9. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. All my bones shall say, O Lord, who is like you, delivering the poor from him who is too strong for him, the poor and needy from him who robs him? Who is like you? When you call for help, you call for help from someone that you think can help, right? Uh, if I had my house on fire, I would not call the guy that mows my grass. He might be interested. He would probably even come over. But that's not who I would call for help. The very fact that David is calling out to God is an acknowledgement that he sees God as the right person to call and the person who can have enough power to do something about it. My soul will rejoice in the Lord, exulting in his salvation. In other words, I'm looking ahead to when God's going to save me, and I'm going to praise him in advance for what he's going to do. And this phrasing, O Lord, who is like you? Several commentators made the point that it reflected other passages in Scripture 
where people ask this rhetorical question and then respond on how wonderful God is. And they brought in two uh, very famous uh, songs, uh, Hannah's song in 1 Samuel and Mary's song, the Magnificat, in Luke 1. But compare this section of Isaiah chapter 40. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult, and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? And of course, the rhetorical question, we all know the answer, the Lord. It is the Lord who has done all these things. Verse 11, we pick up this courtroom scene again. It says, malicious witnesses rise up. They ask me of things that I do not know. They repay me evil for good, and my soul is bereft. In many cases, probably not all, but in many cases, when someone is witnessing either for or against you, it's because they know you. It's because they have personal knowledge of the situation. So here it says malicious witnesses. So these are people that David knew. These are, you might say, backstabbers. And he's going to show how even when he was trying to do good for them, they betrayed him. Look at what it says. Verse 12, they repay me evil for good. My soul is bereft. But when I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. I went about as though I grieved for my friend or my brother. As one who laments his mother, I bowed down in mourning. When they were sick, I prayed for them. I fasted for them. When some had died, I mourned for them. But verse 15, but at my stumbling, they rejoiced and gathered. They gathered together against me. Wretches whom I did not know tore at me without ceasing. Like profane mockers at a feast, they gnash at me with their teeth. So there's embarrassment and there's betrayal. There's attack from people I know. And then there's attack from the mob. I thought of this, if you thought about Jesus in those last days before the cross, on Palm Sunday it had just been, um, compared to the, the crucifixion week, it had just been a week, right? There were people that had seen him, had probably witnessed his miracles, had, who knew him, but yet they were likely also some of the same people that comprised the mob that said, just give us Barabbas, right? And that, that kind of made, um, made me think about that. Verse 17. How long, O Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their destruction, my precious life from the lion's. I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng, 
I will praise you. How long, O Lord, will you look on? When you're in trouble, of course, any time feels like forever, right? But uh, certainly this had been going on for a while. He had been on the run, and he's saying, you know, rescue me, rescue me. And verse 18, I will thank you in the great congregation, in the mighty throng. I will praise you. So here you compare the mob who's participating in, you know, the betrayal and so forth. And then he's looking forward to a day when the mob, so to speak, the, the mighty throng is actually going to be joined in praise uh, rather uh, to God rather than destruction toward him. Verse 19. Let not those rejoice over me who are wrongfully my foes, and let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause. Now, this winking <laughs> was funny to me um new american standard has a I, I didn't write it down but what does it say is it like malicious winking or something like that wink maliciously, wink maliciously. um all right on three i want to see everyone give me their best malicious wink <laughs> all right i saw that ready all right come on oh, we got a sneer working up back here uh <laughs> I think that actually might be, might be it. Uh, one commentator said, picture this as like an eyes narrowed, sort of a sneer situation, as opposed to what we would normally think of as a wink, um, which I have a hard time winking my right eye. I don't know why that is. Um, in any event, um, you know, you take your humor where you can find it. I thought that was funny. Now, where was I? Uh, oh yeah let not those wink the eye who hate me without cause they do not speak peace I'm in verse 20 but against those who are quiet in the land they devise, devise words of deceit uh, these are people who are stirring up trouble right these are people who have set their eyes to um be against uh, David. Uh, they're uh, not speaking peace, but certainly the opposite. Verse 21, they open wide their mouths against me. They say, aha, our eyes have seen it. In other words, they're, they're uh, accusing him. They're totally fine with, with saying that he's done something that he didn't do. Uh, they're, they're, they're fine with it. He says, basically, to paraphrase 19 through 21, save me from the ridicule. Save me from the false accusation. Save me from the people that are just speaking against me falsely. This latter part of verse 19 let note those wink the eye who hate me without cause um, Jesus quotes part of this verse when he is talking to the disciples in John uh, about 
what it's going to be like when he's gone and when they leave. And he's basically saying, this is not going to be a smooth road for you. This is going to be a bumpy ride. The world is going to actually hate you. Don't expect everything to be great. Uh, John fifteen eighteen says, and of course, we have to remind ourselves of this as well. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, I choose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates, my, hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. Verse 25, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. This is directly uh, quoting uh, Psalm 35, 19. Verse 22. You have seen, O Lord, be not silent. O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God, my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Let them not say in their hearts, aha, our hearts desire. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. Let them be put to shame and disappointed together who rejoice at my calamity. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor who magnify themselves against me. This is not a bad blueprint for being really for someone who is feeling oppressed. To paraphrase, verse 22, it says, You have seen, O Lord, be not silent. So, very often, you might find yourself in a situation where someone has said something, it's horrible, and you just don't know what to say. This seems to be saying that, you know, say something. You know, talk to me. You know, connect with me. Uh, don't, just, don't just stand there and, and look at me. It says, not only that, don't just talk to me, but come near to me. He says, oh Lord, be not far from me. Verse 23 says, stand up for me. And it says, don't let them win. My paraphrase. Talk to me. Be near to me. Stand up for me. Don't let them win. Uh, there are just examples all over our community, our nation, our worlds for sure, where people need an advocate. Uh, people need someone that is going to stand up for them 
and to be near to them. And for situations where um, you can't necessarily be there in person, you know, we do have the opportunity to, you know, support the work of people who are there and certainly be on the lookout for those opportunities as God leads. Verse 27, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad and say evermore. This is where you might picture the verdict has come down. It's in his favor. Now, all of the people who have the remnant, you might say, as we talked about so much in Isaiah, that really were in his corner, who really were pulling for him, together they can say, Forevermore, great is the Lord who delights in the welfare of his servant. Uh, God came through for him, so to speak. Verse 28, then my tongue shall tell of your righteousness and of your praise all the day long. What's, what's that hymn that has the, the praise at the end, all the day long? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Praise of my Savior all the day long. Uh, you guys got that one. So, is it proper on this side of the cross to wish badness upon your enemy? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Such a perfect answer, Paul. <laughs> um, so we do have some we do have some verses, right? That we do have to grapple with. Uh, what comes to mind that might say maybe you shouldn't necessarily do this? All right, we have turn the other cheek. What else? Love your enemies. Well, bless those who persecute you. What else? Forgive seven times. What else? Treat as you want to be treated. Treat as you want to be treated. I kept thinking vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. That's kind of a big one. I was hoping somebody would, would say that one. Um, well, obviously you shouldn't do it out loud. <laughs> you guys are my people. Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 14. So verses 9 through 12 talk about what you should do to people that you like, basically. What should, how should you treat other Christians? But verse 14 um, gives us some other things to grapple with. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Wow. That we just got through learning how to curse people properly. Um, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Don't be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. 
but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, how do we reconcile, um, say, David's actions uh, and, you know, Paul's advice here? I'm open to suggestions. David was living at a time when everything was under the law. All right. We're now under grace. So, so... All right, so he said uh, David was living in the time of the law, so that kind of made sense, so we understand why he said what he said, and now we're under the age of grace, and we understand why Paul said what he said. Um, anybody else want to take a crack at that? I think David was venting to the Lord, so to speak, dumping it out, and I feel there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. To tell God how we feel. Okay. So he was venting. Because in the end, the last verse says, My tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all day long. Okay. Jim? I wanted to springboard off of Irene's thoughts because Paul's talking. Can, can you all hear Jim? Let's get the microphone. Max, would you mind? <laughs> yeah, turn it on, but also carry it. <laughs> <laughs> Another contrast I thought of was that Paul's talking about actions and David's having a conversation with God. Okay. This is a man after God's own heart. And he recognizes vengeance as God's. And he says, go get him. But he's not doing anything on his part to recompense evil. All right. Anyone else? So if I look at my enemy and I say, I hope God brings such amazing justice on your head. <laughs> I know. Go ahead, see them. Is that okay? Hey, see them. Reading this, she made me wonder, was David asking or was he telling God? <laughs> he was certainly telling what he wanted. He was very out front with that. And maybe also slash asking. I think probably both. Maybe God dealt with him about that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I was reading uh, in some of my notes here, and evidently this came about because uh, this was a foreign entity that he was dealing with, and possibly they had made a covenant, and they broke that covenant. And I wonder if that justifies him going to God. Gotcha. All right. So I think we certainly have to consider strongly, you know, the passage in Romans um, as to guiding our behavior. 
But I will say that culturally, the pendulum swings a little bit, right? And there have been a couple of very popular songs a generation apart. One talks about God coming to us with grace described as a sloppy wet kiss. Another talks about onward Christian soldiers. Okay, that's extreme, right? Um, And even most people who sing that song actually change it from the original lyrics. But the point is, I think our culture somewhat influences us, right? And we're in a culture where um, if you are passionate about a topic, um, that in itself sometimes is looked as negatively, uh, maybe even if you're what I would consider right, uh, and that uh, I think there may be a place to, to do kind of what David is asking, you know, it's okay to stand up. It's okay to contend for people who may need an advocate. Uh, it is okay to um, uh, stand with those who might be falsely accused. It's okay to um, help administer proper justice if that's your role, right? And um, I think one thing that, uh, in terms of a theme, what can we learn from this psalm David is, of, of all things, he's begging God to not be passive, to get in the game, right? And, and I would say that that does bridge us pretty well to Romans. Because if you read it carefully, I don't think Paul is asking us to be passive either. What does it say? Is it overcome evil with good? That may be harder But good doesn't have to mean weak, right? Good might require a lot of strength and conviction and backbone and support from people that are around you. So um, it's an interesting kind of, you know, kind of a set of concepts to, to wrestle with. And and we often are faced this, with this when we look at passages from the Old Testament to say, okay, we understand what David was saying, uh, as Dave said, um, and the, the situation where he said it. Uh, but yet it says all scripture is profitable. So what can we learn from that to, to bring to where we are now? And so as we go through Psalms, not just today, but going forward, uh, I think that's always a good exercise to, to have with yourself. Uh, what can I learn from this and, and bring forward? And so, um, so there we have it for today. Uh, any other comments before we close? Psalms 36 next week is going to kind of pick up the same thing. All right, Psalm 36. For the, for the, for the part of it. Very good. What period in David's life did he write this song? Uh, as I understand it, it was when he was, this, this season where he was... Um, Saul was still king. Saul was pursuing him. Uh, his reputation was, you know, he was on the run, those sorts of things. 
All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word that uh, no matter uh, what generation um, we read about, uh, that you are the same. And we thank you that we can uh, have your words to think about, to wrestle with, to be inspired by, and to be uh, taught by. And, and they all teach us about who you are. And we thank you that you are God who is all about setting things to right. And from that very first sin in the garden, you've been looking to set things aright. And we look forward to seeing how that plays out. To the extent that you can use us, we ask that you do so, Lord. Give us eyes to look for those who need uh, an advocate. And give us strength to do the right thing to overcome evil with good. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody.